Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, the Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming to you on an absolutely gorgeous day from the BMP Paribas Open. We have a full docket of mouth-watering matchups for you guys today. All eight round of 16 matchups on the women's side will take place, and the men, of course, need to finish their third round matchups. We've got a blockbuster tilt between Stan Varinka and Roger Federer in the night session. Also, we will see Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and lots of other good matchups on the men's side. So an absolutely mouth-watering order of play. I'm standing here in the practice courts between 16 and 17. I, I came this direction because I saw a sign that said Stefano Tsitsipas on court now, but I could have sworn, now last night I checked through his Instagram feed, I could have sworn he was in New York City. So lo and behold, on his court is the legendary coach Patrick Moritoglu getting a nice hit in his forehand. If you guys are wondering, it looks pretty grooved. Also see uh, Dasha Gavrilova over on practice court 14, the Bryan brothers next to her. Lots going on on the grounds. It's a beautiful, sunny, gorgeous California day. The rain has passed. Of course, the rain caused a suspension of play last night. Novak Djokovic didn't get to complete his match against Philip Kohlschreiber, but it is gorgeous today, and you can look out on the San Jacinto Mountains and see that they're snow-capped. Had a little bit of rain all evening. Uh, but things are looking perfect for a great day of tennis on Tuesday. And we're going to run through the order of play shortly. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to an up-and-coming player, player who hit a milestone this week at Indian Wells. His name is Miomir Kekmanovic, reached his first round of 16 at a Masters 1000 as a lucky loser. And you know, a lot of people don't know this young player, but he's actually the third highest ranked teenager on the ATP tour. He was a former US Open boys finalist, lost that final to Felix Auger Aliassime. And yesterday in press, I asked him about that match because it was looking for at least a short while that he might face the Canadian in the round of 16. So we got his thoughts on that. We also got his thoughts about um, him feeling like he's been a little bit overlooked throughout the course of his career. Some very interesting comments from the young Serb, who's also a friend of Novak Djokovic. We spoke about that. So let's get to that interview, and I'll check back with you guys after the jump. Could potentially face Felix Auger-Aliassime. I just wondered if you could give me a few thoughts. Of obviously, you know, well, he faced him in the U.S. Open boys final. Yeah. Um, can you give me a few thoughts on his game. What makes him special? Um. Yeah. I mean, definitely. You know, he's a very good player. Obviously, he showed that. Um. He has a big game. You know, just goes for it. I think. Um. You know, it'll be definitely fun to play him again, you know, after after got smoked last time. So <laughs> I'll definitely try, you know, to do a lot better this time he if seems, he wins. He seems to get a lot more attention than you do. You're the third highest ranked teenager on the ATP Tour. Um, you seem to be a little bit under the radar. Do you kind of like it that way for now? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm used to it. I've been overlooked my entire life, and um, I think it back of my mind that drives me is to prove everybody wrong so I don't I don't mind it honestly I'm I don't I like it because kind of gives me the extra motivation maybe some days that I don't feel like you know practicing or something 
Why would you say that is? Um, they overlooked, is it just being from a smaller country, less media, or? Um, honestly, I don't know. Could be that, could be something else, or they just don't like me, I don't, I don't know. But um, whatever it is, it's, it's like that, you know, there's no point in, you know, not talking about it, so it is what it is. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, to change that. Who are some of your idols? Um, definitely Novak and Roger. And do you have a relationship going with Novak? Um, yeah, I think we're good friends. You know, we talk when we're in tournaments, you know, outside sometimes. Um, we practice when we're around. So definitely, you know, as I said, you know, good to have someone, you know, so great around that you can hear his thoughts and um, things that you're doing and just, you know, to hear some, you know, advice from someone that's been through everything. Have you set your goals potentially? I mean, see your 10th or 11th this week in the next gen, the race to Milan, but the, uh, not far out at all. That seems like a possibility. Is that something you get fired up about? Um, honestly, I just want to, you know, hopefully finish the year in the top 100. I don't really care about Milan or anything. So I think, um, you know, if it happens, great, unreal. But I don't, I don't want to put pressure on myself to make that. I just, you know, want to stay healthy, you know, improve, and you know, hopefully, you know, do make some good results this year. Very interesting interview right there with Miomir Kekmanovic. And you know what? I don't think he's going to be overlooked very much longer. He's got a big opportunity waiting for him. He will meet Yoshihiro Nishioka in the round of 16. Actually, a big opportunity for both players. And we're very much looking forward to that match on Wednesday. But today's order of play is what's on our mind right now. Stadium 1, Kiki Burtons and Garbinia Muguruza starting the day off, followed by Schwartzman Nadal, followed by Djokovic, Cole Schreiber, I mean, come on, followed by Williams and Barthel, and then Stan Wawrinka and Roger Federer kick off the night session. And then if you're still awake, it could be a late one tonight. It'll be Arena Sabalenka and Angelique Kerber, the last match on Stadium. Stadium 2 is just as good. Nishikori and Ubert Urkic from Poland will be matching up. Urkic actually took down Nishikori the last time they met. Then we have Marketa Vondrosheva against Simona Halep, followed by the Bryan brothers, followed by Radu Albert, Kyle Edmund, and then the night session on Stadium 2 will feature a blockbuster WTA tilt between Naomi Osaka and Belinda Bencic. That'll be followed up by Oliver Merak and Matthew Pavic. The doubles contest, Stadium 3, pretty awesome as well. Daniel Medvedev, Filip Krajinovic, Denis Shapovalov versus Marin Cilic, John Isner versus Guido Pea, Andrei Rublev against his good friend Karen Hachinov. And doubles match after that, it'll be doubles duty for Novak Djokovic and Fabio Fanini. They'll take on Roy and Takao. So, gosh, we didn't even get to Stadium 4. That's going to be... Patrick Moratoglu just gave me a dirty look, I think. Am I, am I too loud? Um, Stadium 4, Wang Chang against Bianca Andreescu, the 18-year-old Canadian, youngest woman left in the WTA side of the draw. So promising, as is Wang Chang. That's going to be another great matchup. And then Shea Suwei and Barbara Strecheva will take on the Chan sisters, followed by Svitolina Barty and Kontavite Pliskova. So many good matches today. It's it's out of control. I want to let you guys go, but before I do that, a quick interview with BMP Paribas Open Tournament Director Tommy Haas. Haas had an open media session with 
small group of reporters uh, earlier last week. It was uh, eye-opening. It was interesting. It's nice to get in touch with the tournament director, hear about the plans for the tournament, hear about his relationship with tournament's owner, Larry Ellison. Oh, there's Marco Cecanato just walking by. Um, so Haas had a lot of things to say, and I asked him specifically about social media, about his views on social media, what he would have done with it as a player, and if he would have been comfortable sharing some of the things that today's players share out there. I mean, we see all kinds of posts from players, and sometimes they go pretty far sharing their vulnerabilities, their fears, being just being very open. I think we live in a great age for to be a tennis fan, to be a sports fan in general. There's so much out there, but I wanted to talk to him specifically about the fine line between the competitive edge and sharing too much and maybe giving your opponents insights into your vulnerability. So here's Tommy Haas on that subject. These days we see a lot of players sharing uh, mental health issues, vulnerabilities, things that maybe in your day people might have expressed but didn't have the chance to without social media. I wonder if you would be the type of player who shared these sort of things and what do you think of players that do these days share them? Do you think I mean, it's maybe it's better that I didn't have social media when I was like 18, yeah. 19 or 20 because you, know, you didn't probably want me to share half of the things. but. <laughs> I mean, no, no, you can use it obviously for so many ways. Again, you can use the platform, you know, on your own, trying to, you know, inspire younger kids, maybe that look up to you. If you feel like that's a role that you, that you want to, you know, take up on yourself, um, you know, I think Nomi Osaka just put that out uh, yesterday, right? You know, kind of like feeling in the new position that she is in, you know, she came here a year ago, she's never won a title before in her life. Uh, I actually watched her for the first time myself when she when she beat uh, Maria Sharapova in the first round. I was thinking to myself, wow, this girl can really, really play. Next thing you know, she wins uh, wins here the tournament. She wins the Australian Open, US Open, and she comes back as not only the defending champion, but number one in the world. And everybody wants something from her now, right? So, so how do you cope with that? And for her to kind of reach out on social media without, you know, having to maybe come in here and, and discuss all these things. It's, it's also an easier way to, you know, describe how you feel and, you know, give your fans what they might want to hear or get a, sort of like an insight of what you're going through, the pressures and the expectations of yourself. Um, and again, I think everybody um, just in a tennis individual life that they have and, um, you know, being it's an individual sport, it's a nice platform to have if you want to use it. Um, and... Uh, and again, and so many other people uses uses it very well as well. If it's you know Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, I mean, I think they have their own production company just for social media. Will Smith is blowing it up right as well, you know, with his sort of bucket list now. So you know, you, you have so much access now to everything. And if you do struggle with um, certain things, you know, you can find certain you know people that you can follow that could inspire you and uh, and help you um, help you hopefully um, get a different point of view in things and maybe change your life, which is, which is obviously great. At the same time, maybe not for everyone because it also comes with, I think, a lot of other things that are maybe not so good. So you have to try to find the right balance, right? And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I have two kids and I wonder what's gonna be like in six, seven, eight years. You know, my daughter is eight now and she's already asking, when am I gonna get my phone? And mm -hmm. I tell her, you probably will never get one. <laughs> um, she gets very frustrated. And, uh, you know, now it's all about numbers. When, I, when I'm 11 or when I'm 12 yeah, yeah. or 13, and it's like, you'll see, I don't know. Maybe in four years, there are no phones anymore. I don't know, that would yeah. be great. But uh, even Matt and I were just talking about it. It's like, you know, if something comes up nowadays, right? Like, 
you're so reachable, you know, and even for me as a tournament director now, and you know, there's a lot of people I haven't heard from in, in many years that I might have met here and there, and you know, somehow they get your email and your, your, your phone number, and they come out of the woods and say, oh, it would be great to see you again and get tickets. So it's like constantly, <laughs> the, constantly the phone is ringing and you know, I need another credential here. And then I have a pretty good relationship with the players and the coaches and the agents. And so constantly there's something going on, you know, um, because of these things. So trust me, when I put my phone away doing these three weeks just for an hour, this thing is blowing up. It's yeah. like it's overheated. So um, it's, uh, you know, social media, these phones, I mean, again, in many ways, great. Uh, and maybe in some ways, not so great. What is your point of view? I just was curious about the players now that are sharing vulnerabilities that they have, issues, and to keep a competitive edge, I just wonder if it's a really fine line and how you felt, if, if you would have been comfortable sharing a weakness that you had. Probably not. <laughs> and anybody from no, your generation, I, I guess everybody's yeah. different. Yeah, no, of course, everybody's different, yeah, of course. I mean, I think, again, like I said, if you if you want to share a weakness or certain things that are that are going through your mind, I think it depends, you know, the top players will probably not share that because they probably don't feel like they have a weakness, you know, depending on who you are. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's obviously fun to be able to follow the people that maybe you look up to or you like, and even in the tennis world to always kind of see constantly what's going on in their lives, what are they doing, what are they willing to share, right? And right. it's also a platform, obviously, for, for sponsors now, and on top of that, so, you know, people feel like they're up close and personal in your life. I mean, I was a huge Sylvester Stallone fan when I was a kid, right? And I watched all the Rocky movies that inspired me, and, you know, to be able to follow him and see him still do a lot of things that he's doing now in his personal life, or still going to the gym at 71, 72, it's, it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you constantly try to, um, you know, try to kind of, you know, live up to your potential, I guess. Nice words for BMP Paribas Tournament Director Tommy Haas. Great to chat with him and great to be at the BMP Paribas Open on a gorgeous Tuesday, as I mentioned. And as you know, it's going to be an incredible Tennis Tuesday. Hope you guys enjoy the show today and check back tomorrow for another edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast. Just letting you guys know you can follow us on iTunes. We would love it if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast that would mean a lot to us also you can check us out on spotify we're starting to get a few more clicks over there and we do appreciate it you can check out the podcast homepage at podomatic.com you can also check out tennis now on the web at www.tennisnow.com hit us up on social facebook.com slash tennis now and twitter at tennis underscore now we're also on Instagram, quite active. Hit us up. Check out our stories. You guys have a wonderful Tennis Tuesday. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Enjoy the tennis, and thanks for listening.